1: Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster and lover of God, Kaz Taylor.
2: Well, hello, my friends. (laughs) I'm, I'm laughing because the beginning of every show, I say similar, I say you've never heard anything like you're about to hear right now, but I really mean it this time. I really, really mean it. You know many of you are bible uh, uh, Bible lovers, embracers of the word and and many that listen to this show, I know dig deeply into the word, and some of you have just given a cursory look into the Bible, and some of you just go, "You know, I know Jesus is in the Bible, I believe in Jesus, so okay uh, i 'll embrace the Bible uh, as much as I can so there 's all different levels of people that uh, embrace the Bible, and today i 'm going to spend some time uh, challenging you and th- this cha- this is the challenge: Is it possible that the Bible has symbolic meaning and literal technical meaning as well? And dare we realize that this Bible that we've been reading, many of us, for many years has two sides to it, and perhaps some of the times we uh, account things as being abstract and supernatural and symbolic when, uh uh-oh, maybe it's true as well. Scripture says, first, that which is natural, and after that, that which is spiritual. But I believe sometimes, particularly in these days, God's going to open our eyes and say, that which you thought was spiritual only— is literal and spiritual as well. Now, how are you going to deal with that? So we're going to deal with that and deal with this. I'm going to be bringing on a man who is one of the well-known archaeologists in Israel and other areas as well. He's excavated in areas of Israel, and I'll tell you what his work and his findings are published and uh, well-received. And some people don't receive them that well, but we're going to dig into why they might not receive them that well, because it's a challenge sometimes to a person who thinks they know the Scripture, and uh, this is going to be a challenge for you and I as well. I want to introduce at this time Professor Thomas Winder. Thomas Winder uh is a guy who excavates different areas. One of the areas in particular is in the northern part of Israel called Mount Hermon. It's also an area where the Bible talks about the Mount of Transfiguration and things like that. He's going to also perhaps talk a little bit about Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, and I want you to keep your ears and heart open because that which oftentimes you and I may put into the abstract spiritual application— It may just really have a literal application, and what does that mean to you and I today? Ah, It's going to help you understand why God has put us in the earth in these last days as he has. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Professor Thomas Winder, hello, Thomas Winder, how you doing, my friend?
3: Well, how you doing, brother Cass?
2: (laughs) I'm I'm doing fine. You know, I could tell I could tell we were going to have a a fireworks of uh, two hours here between five and seven p.m. Pacific time when you and I sat down at River Family Church in Vista uh, a month or so ago, and you started sharing some insights about things that you have discovered from an archaeological standpoint, and I said, ooh, 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 and this, and you go, yes, and I say, and this, and you just laughed, and I could just tell that we had a lot of things in common. So let's spend just a moment, b- before we dig deeply into this, my listening friend, here's let me just give you kind of an overview of what what we're going to talk about here. We're going to be talking about a topic known as the gates of hell or the pits of hell, we're going to talk about the Mount of Transfiguration. We're going to talk about God's calling for you and I, us, in these last days. And what on earth does it have to do with the pits and gates of hell? You might be surprised. What does it have to do with the Mount of Transfiguration, <laughs> where Moses and Elijah met with Jesus? You might be surprised. So let, let, let's do this, Thomas. Uh, what Before I start shows that are particularly commanding, is this one is going to be? Do you mind if I blow a little shofar? One of the things... My listening friend. Oh, please do. One of the things, my listening friend, thank you, you Thomas. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've got, I didn't bring my big kudu antelope horn. I brought my little ram's horn, oh, which is the, yeah. which, what Gideon would have blown during the, the battle as the battle raged. Well, good luck, good
3: luck making that thing <laughs> sound like a trumpet.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, my listening friend. We're going to do this. and I, You wait till you hear about this wonderful Uh, Archaeological genius, I call him. He's Professor Thomas Winder. We'll talk about the professorship as well. I'm going to blow this shofar. It's a little ram's horn. And then we're going to engage in some things. You're going to want to take notes. You're also going to want to revisit this when this live broadcast hits the archives because you're going to hear some things you've never heard before. And I'm going to challenge you as a journalist to dig and pray and seek these things and see if what we're going to be saying is true. And then you have to figure out what that means to Y-O-U. Shofar Blast, and then we'll begin. Amen. Thank you, Professor Thomas Winder. Here we go. All
3: right, well, I should say Shabbat Shalom, but Shabbat, Shalom. But Shabbat just ended. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 it ended for uh, you, it's ending, it's ending
3: for us. Well, well, thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to speak to your children and to uh, put out your word and your gospel. Thank you for the opportunity to get to know Brother Kaz better and uh, and present your mysteries to the public.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you
3: in Yeshua's name. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Yes, yes.
4: yes. So mm.
2: let's let's before we actually jump on in, I need people to know that you're a credentialed. Archaeologist, you're a credentialed okay, professor well, me, well, and all let that me stuff. Tell you how Lay it all this on
3: Started, it. yes. I didn't exactly wake up one morning and tell myself, "Okay, Tom, you're going to go to school and get a PhD and become a famous archaeologist <laughs> and explore the mysteries of the Bible." You know that none of that ever happened. I I became a contractor. I worked my you know what off for fifty years. Yes. And then I decided, okay, I I have this passion for the Bible, which I've always had, and my relationship with the Lord. And so I I was looking for schools that I could actually start taking classes in biblical archaeology. And lo and behold, I found the school Trinity Southwest right here in Albuquerque. Now, I didn't live here at the time. I lived way up north. On the Colorado border, so I was I was driving back and forth for symposiums, and in the process, I met all these people here, and decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into this, and I'm going to uh, sign up for the School of Hebraic Studies. Wow, that doesn't sound (laughs) like much, and I do not speak Hebrew, so to speak, but I know this stuff inside and out, and I knew. That I could pass every single course, I could challenge all my way all the way through to to a master's degree in Hebraic studies. And the and the uh, director of the school, Doctor Collins, came to me one day. He invited me into his office and he said, "Tom, what are you doing in the Hebraic studies school?" And I said, "Well, I'm getting my my PhD and." And uh, I can challenge every one of these courses. I don't have to crack a book. And he giggles. <laughs> he giggles, and he says, "He says, well, we all know that about you already." Oh, you know, my. I was I was on the radio for a couple of years here in New Mexico uh, with my own radio show called "Prepare the Way" with Brother Thomas. So I had already interviewed quite a few of the professors at the school and I had gotten to know quite a few archaeologists from around the world at the symposiums, and so there I was sitting with Dr. Collins, and he says, Tom, I don't know what the heck you're doing, but you're a born archaeologist, and you need to change your major. (laughs) And I went, I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, if you'll join my school of archaeology, I will I I won't charge you a dime. I'll give you your PhD and I'll put you on staff here at the school. You can be my liaison administrator and a director of the Tall el Hamam excavation in Jordan. And I said I said to him I said you got to be out of your stinking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I said I've been a contractor digging in the dirt all my life and you want me to go back in the dirt, you oh, got my. another thing coming. Oh, my. And and then, of course, he, he gave me some financial uh, incentives. Yep. And I said, okay, Lord, I guess I'm stuck in this. Oh, my. And I shook his hand, and the next thing you know, I've got my own office. I'm teaching classes in the Hebraic Studies College, and within a month or two, we're off on a plane flying to Jordan, and there I was being a, a square supervisor and one of the one of the directors on the Sodom excavation, probably one of the most exciting uh, biblical excavations going on. Yes, in the Holy Land. Yes. Sodom and Gomorrah, and, my friends. And, and, that's, near the, and that's, that's,
2: that's near the near the uh, right around the uh, Dead Sea. Sodom and Gomorrah. Just yeah, you know, it's amazing.
3: right. It's right above the Dead Sea, directly yes. across. The river from Jericho. Yes. Right where Genesis thirteen places it.
2: Hey Thomas, before oh, you go nonsense. any further, before you go any further, you're a radio guy. You need to know I've got sixty seconds left in this uh, uh segment, then we go to a next. So set this up, Mr. Radio Man, and uh well, we'll, about all what we're right. gonna do and then we'll don't jump go, into the next segment. don't
3: go away. <laughs> we'll be right back. Well, okay. <laughs> With, with more exciting news <laughs> from the Holy
2: Land. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add just a little bit to that. My listening you're friend, I have hope,
3: to add some.
2: Of course, of course, because you know I'm doing the show this time, That's and right. you're my, and you're my co-host.
3: <laughs>
2: so here's the <laughs> well, deal, my friends. I, the... <laughs> I guess you can tell that uh, Thomas and I have a growing relationship, and you can tease around a little bit with that. But I, I want you to realize the depth of what you're about ready to hear. This man not only uh, Loves the Hebraic studies, as do I. And we're in some interesting months right now. We may talk about that as well. But also archaeology, and he's uh, a remarkable digger. And we're going to find out more about that. But not only as he found himself in New Mexico teaching, also as he found himself in Jordan and in northern uh, Israel as well. And you will be amazed at what he has been excavating and is going to change the way you think about the Bible. So... Uh, Professor, archaeologist Thomas Winder and Kaz will be right back.
1: More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. I hope we've wet
2: your appetite here for digging into. Scriptural things. When I say digging in, it was a double entendre. When I'm talking about digging into Scripture, I'm also talking about excavating uh, Scripture, but also excavating the earth, wherein the truths of Scripture are often buried. And to help me do that, I have Professor Thomas Winder. He is a remarkable archaeologist, but he is also a professor teaching Hebraic studies and uh, many other things. You're going to find out more about him as we dig more deeply into this show uh how you doing there Thomas Winder?
3: Well, Kaz, that was such a perfect lead-in. <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh my my. It's it's it's, oh, a, it's yeah. a pleasure. So, so go you ahead. know, digging up digging up history and digging into the word, you know, it's basically one and the same. Yes, it is. Uh when you when you go to school and you want to find out you go let's say you go to seminary school and you took an archaeology class the first thing they would tell you is that just about everything on the map is in the wrong place.
4: (laughs) Oh, that's so
2: true. Everything people have prognosticated on. You know, and a lot of of Bible students have been digging into this, and they've been seeing what commentators have said here, there, here, and there. But I'll tell you what, the thing that doesn't lie is the stuff that's in the ground. And
3: a lot of times people have ulterior motives, but the truth of the matter is buried right there. Right there, and and what is so exciting about it is that even though our maps are 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 a lot, there's problems <laughs> with our maps. Okay, but that's because people in the past didn't have the amount of information that we have today. I mean, after all, we've been excavating now the Holy Land for hundreds of years, so so people's uh, opinions say a hundred years ago now have have been you know circumvented by so much more information yes I mean the most incredible things have popped up out of the ground yes in recent years and and one big one of course is is the discovery of the real city of Sodom oh which I was involved with. Yes. I mean, that alone is monumental. It is monumental. Because it proves that one of the stories that we have in the book of Genesis mm-hmm. is factual.
2: Yes. Lot, now, Abraham, that, Sodom, Gomorrah, yes.
3: Yeah, you know, you, you, you're never going to find anything basically uh, concerning Abraham, for instance. Abraham did not build any cities. He lived in a tent, okay? It's like a Bedouin running around sure, and so so he didn't do anything but the history that he lived through, like the occasion of Sodom Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim being toasted one day in, in, <laughs> in the blink of an eye, Yes, okay. He was alive during that, and of course, lot and his wife and and the two daughters were alive and and we know that story, yes. But there are so many skeptics out in the world, you'd be surprised that, that many, 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 many uh, archaeologists in the field of, uh, of the Levant, Mesopotamia, Egypt, etc., they're really atheists. Oh, they don't believe the theology. They all have Bibles in their back pocket. Because they have to have a Bible to tell them what they're digging up, yes, of course, but the theology behind the stories, yeah, they're gonna give that the big nicks, yeah they're gonna go, well, you know, maybe Abraham lived, and maybe these stories happened sort of a little bit, they were probably expounded upon and and you know played with and spun. And uh, exaggerated, of course, and all these things might have taken place in in the uh, world of the of the Jewish people. However, yep. until I see it, I can't believe it. Well, that's right. And that's how they are. That's right. It's it's absence of evidence must be evidence of absence. <laughs> you Hear that? How yeah, I do? Absence <laughs> of evidence. Absence of evidence. Must be proof that the evidence is absent.
2: My my, can okay, I can I extrapolate you know, something all, here and have you jump have on in? All you have to do is wait.
3: All you have to do is wait. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm going to extrapolate from what you said right there, and that there are people that are. Um, in the archaeological digs and things like that, they have the Bible because they need to know what they're digging and give an idea. But they don't really put much weight in the actual literal content of the words of well, scripture. Well, they
3: don't want to believe the theology. Well, uh, my
2: point here's my point. <laughs> uh, here's here's my point. In the church environment today, Thomas, there are many people that may align more in that favor and flavor than they do to actually embrace the literal words of God that is uh, that can be excavated there. You know, a lot of, and me, I've been studying scripture and eschatology for years, but for the longest time, uh, people that were taught in different areas of that, they go, okay, well, this is symbolic, and this is real, and this is symbolic, and all of a sudden you have your your brain trying to comprehend the character of God, and you, and, and you go, okay, well, that's that's make-believe, or that's abstract, and I can define it however I want. But now, when you have archaeological digs and Uh, people such as you that are actually excavating this and you say, no, 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 this is real. And when you, when you say this is real, all of a sudden a person that's been studying scripture says, you know, I have to take this differently than I took it before. It was abstract and I would take it in a way that was convenient for my own edification. Now I have to look at this and I have to say, this is real. What does this really mean to me now? It changes a person's eschatology, eschatology and it changes a person's point of view, many of whom dwell in the church environment today. Would you like to pay that off just a little bit more?
3: Well, that's well, that, well, you're you're absolutely right about that. Uh we have so much more information to go on now uh we can we can determine that things are true for instance uh scott stripling recently uncovered this thing called the mount ebal curse tablet oh my that is written in the oldest tablet. yeah the mount ebal curse yes. tablet and it's from the time of of joseph and caleb Okay, and and when they cross the river, you remember Moses did not get to cross the river, uh but 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 excuse me, Joshua and Caleb did with the Hebrews and they end up on Mount Ebal between you know, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and that's Mount Ebal is the mountain of curses, and sure enough they found a curse tablet written in the original Hebrew that the Hebrew spoke while they were in Egypt, so it dates this thing specifically to that time period. Oh my! Of Joshua and Caleb, and they find it on Mount Ebal, which literally the skeptics. Now this is this is across the board as a truth. Everything is denied until they find evidence that you know yeah. serves them crow. Yeah. And so here's <laughs> one for instance, the Exodus is always denied oh, yes. by unbelievers, by people that are atheists or agnostics. Or, or, or even people that, that have different
2: truth. religions, they would deny that as well. Well,
3: that's right. They wanted to deny everything. So they're going to deny the Exodus and say that the Jews are just a bunch of Canaanites running around, yes and they're not anybody special. Uh, and yet, when something like this curse tablet gets found and there's the evidence that proves that the Hebrews not only existed, they were unique people, and that they came from across the river, and the, and the story is absolutely perfectly true. Oh, Thomas. So now what do you do? Yeah. Now you have to believe in the Exodus story. Yes. Next thing you're going to do is you're going to have to believe in Moses and the Ten Commandments and, and all the yep, rest that yep, yep. goes with it. You see? And Elijah and also Jesus of Nazareth? Please. Well there's the bloodline. <laughs> yes. There's the bloodline that we're gonna talk about. Yes. Because all along the way the dark forces are trying to stop God's plan. Yes. And God's plan, if you read Hebrews chapter seven, is very clear. God has a plan and a purpose. Those two things can never change. Let me let me repeat, God has a plan, God has a purpose, and he will never change those two things. That's a promise made in Hebrews chapter 7. Yes. I mean, so in order to fulfill that plan and his purpose, Messiah has to come to earth. Yes. God in the flesh has to come to be the final sacrifice, the <laughs> ultimate <laughs> sacrifice. Yes, yes, yes. After that, no other blood ever needs to be spilled, ever, because that is God's plan of redemption.
4: Yes, yes, yes.
2: I'm going to stop so you there. there I faith. have to stop you there because I have to take a break. I apologize, That's but right, when you've you got live radio like this, you have to do commercial breaks. But let me, I'm going to, I'm going to extrapolate on what you said there, um, uh, Thomas Winder, and that is God has a plan. God has a purpose. And let me expand that a little bit, my listening friend. This is for you. God has a plan for you and a purpose for you, and the more you dig into the Scripture and excavate God's truths, you're going to realize as you look in the mirror that he built these things for a time such as this for you to read and understand what your directive is going to be in these vital times. The more you excavate God's Word and realize it's true, the more empowered you can be if you deal with it godly and properly. We're going to talk more about those things and much more when Professor Thomas Winder and Kaz come right back.
1: This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise.
2: Welcome back, my friends. I'm giggling a little bit here because I knew This would be a commanding broadcast because I have a a commanding co-host, Professor Thomas Winder. He's a man who digs deeply not only into the written word, but also the uh, buried word, buried deep, sometimes not that deep underground in uh, Israel and uh, surrounding areas, Jordan and things like that. And one of the things, you know... uh, Thomas, one of the things that I've noticed as I look at the educational community, there are a lot of professors out there teaching theory, and they're just teaching theory, and they're entrusting that the people that are listening to them are embracing that theory, and they apply that theory according to their own point of view. But the Bible is not theory. The Bible is... Absolutely true. And when somebody comes in like you, and they all they talk about theory, which years ago, you know, we had uh, Bible expositors teaching theory. But now it's not theory anymore, it is the truth, and that changes you from being just an instructor or a professor to a person whom God has anointed to share his truth in a way that people will have to say, this man understands and comprehends the depth of things, I need to pay close attention. So, Thomas Winder, it's a pleasure to have you. I knew I knew this was going to be a wild and crazy uh, two hours on Come Together in <laughs> San Diego, and uh, you have not disappointed, well, my engineer. Well, thanks uh, for
3: having me,
2: Kev. My engineer said on, the, over, over, on my headsets while we were going through commercial breaks. He goes, "This is turning into a remarkable show," and I said, "Oh, yes, it is." So, Thomas, I have no I'm, idea. <laughs> we haven't even begun. We haven't even begun to, pardon the pun, but scratch the surface. <laughs> That's right, we, I'm going to give That's you a right. mandate here, if you don't mind. I want to spend one more segment talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and that. But I want to spend the yeah. bulk of the show. We talked a little bit, and as I promoted this show, talked a little bit about the things that you are talking about in the northern part of Israel, uh, around um, you know Mount uh, of Transfiguration, well, Mount Hermon, and things let, like that. Let, but but I want you to spend, bring take this segment to bring this. Uh, portion to a close because I want to uh, God's given me some major things uh, about the other thing that I think are going to just from our listening friends they're going to have to look in the mirror and they go if this is real my calling has changed from abstract to literal and so we're going to be doing so that by, by, by the way yeah. by, by the way my friends if you want to find out more about come together san diego or send me a note and say love what you're doing hate what you're doing and and send me an uh, email and say here's what I recommend or can you dig more deeply on this topic or the other come together san diego at kprz.com come together san diego at kprz plus if you want to find out ab- more about uh, thomas winder uh, and his ministry. He deals with an outreach called Holy Land Research Institute, and you can go to www.HolyLandResearchInstitute.org. Okay, handing the baton back to you, (laughs) co-host,
3: Thomas Will. Well, my co-host, friend. Look at (laughs) Will Will, this is real easy to do. People may think, how is he going to get from Sodom? To Mount Hermon. Well, (laughs) it's it's a lot easier than you think. In the book of Jude, you know that little one-chapter book before Revelation? It's it's a jewel, and uh, it's full of nuggets. And here's one uh, from Jude, verse 6 and 7. And angels who did not keep their own (sighs) domain, but abandoned their proper abode, He is kept in eternal bonds until darkness for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Well, did you happen to... See what is mentioned in there? Angels, <laughs> angels who did not keep their, first keep estate. their own yes. domain. Yes. What is he talking about? Well, you need to know the book of Genesis. You need to know that in in Genesis chapter six verse one, it talks about bad angels. They're called the watchers, they're called the fallen angels the B'nai Elohim. There's quite a few different terms for them. I just call them the bad angels. Yes. And these bad angels decided to leave heaven and come to earth to have relations, that's sexual, physical relations, with the women. And they did so. And the babies that were born of these women were called the giants of the Bible or the Nephilim. Yes. And that all happens on Mount Hermon, according to Jubilee, according to the book of Maccabees, according to the book of Enoch. Yes. It all happens on Mount Hermon. Now, after the Sodom dig, I mean, I, I was the one that found the temple of Sodom where I I used to call that ground zero. Say that again. Course, you found got, the temple of Sodom? I am I'm the guy that found the temple in the city of Sodom. Oh, so my. the Temple of Sodom. I mean that sounds like a movie. Maybe somebody will. <laughs> Maybe, make a it movie will. Someday. <laughs> Maybe I can get Tim Mahoney to finally make sure. a movie that he promised me years ago. But the problems that were taking place in Sodom didn't start in Sodom mm. and they didn't really end in Sodom although it did keep mankind on the straight and narrow for about 3800 years uh, till everybody forgot about this particular story but but it's the same problem it's the same spiritual problem and physical problem of chasing strange flesh having the lust of the flesh take over your mind, take over your body. And in fact, these angels, that's all they wanted to do was to come down here and have sexual relations. They gave up. Can you imagine, Kaz mm. for a minute, just these and according to the Book of Enoch there's there were two hundred of them, Azazel and Semyaza are the two captains, and they land on Mount Hermon, or Hermon, in fact it's called Hermon, because Hermon translates as the curse, oh or the oath, and these angels that landed on Mount Hermon took an oath amongst themselves that they would not uh, renege on their uh, on their corruption of planet Earth. They were here not only to corrupt the world, but to but to come against the bloodline and literally corrupt the DNA of the human race, which they did pretty well. In fact, God brings the flood to get rid of the giants. Yes. He says so twice. And uh, and so the giants were in Sodom. They were amongst the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, you know, the Jebusites, all these different people, the Canaanites, all across what we call the Holy Land, yes, which would be the Levant, and uh, and there were giants in the land. That's right. The land of Lot yes. is called the land of the giants. Yes. So in Sodom, they had a symbiotic relationship with giants. They were also kinky as they can be, yes. as you know the story. These two angels come to town, and the guys in town, they just want to have sex with these two handsome angels. And the angels are there to to warn Lot and his family to get out of Dodge, to get out of town, because God was going to destroy the place. Well, Lot has doors and windows on his house, so they lock the doors to keep the men out of the house in order to keep them away from these angels. Well, that tells us that tells us that Lot is living in the palace. Oh, my. By the way, he takes over the city. We find out a lot of stuff. In fact, in Genesis 19, it says that Lot sat in the gate. Well, nobody just stood in the gate. You got to be the king of the city or at least yep. the judge that's in charge of everything. Yes. So Lot comes into the city and takes over. And if you'll read the story, he's the only one. He's the only righteous guy in the whole town. Oh His wife doesn't want to leave town. His girls don't want to leave town. They can't get their boyfriends to leave town. Nobody wants to leave. The angels literally have to drag the family out of town. And we find out, of course, you know, lots, they're all told not to turn around. But yep. Lot's wife has to turn around she wants to go back and of course she's turned into a pillar of salt and that's something else all the skeptics will mock us about saying well when you find lots wives, let us know <laughs> and and I, and I and that's a terrible joke no but, but it's not it is not that's one it of the not. things you so, know it's it's one of those wild stories yeah but let's so let, now God let, turns you into a assault you're going to be gone in the first rainstorm <laughs> that's right <laughs> okay but the Giants came from Mount Hermon so yes. we can immediately go to Mount Herman now and explain what went down up there and why Jesus went to Mount Hermon yes to declare his church and to show everybody who he really was well thank you
2: Thomas, my listening friend, I hope this has inspired you, but beyond just, you know, a lot of time a person can sit and watch a science fiction movie or read a science fiction book and go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, and then you close the book or you turn off the movie and you go, the end. But this is real stuff. And this is no longer just a fictional book or a a fictional movie. This is the real stuff. And the question is, what does that mean to you? You'll be amazed what it means to you. uh, You'll be amazed at how God has put you into this Present day environment to make significant changes on the strategy of the enemy to have the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. God has called people just like you to make a change in that for the power of Jesus in other people's lives. We're going to talk more about that when Thomas Winder and Kaz come (laughs) right
1: back. back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego. is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor.
2: Well, hello, my friends. Yes, I want you not only listening to the show, but I want you to have an open notebook unless you're driving. <laughs> then ha- have have uh, your hands on the on the steering wheel. But if you're home or heading home, you may want to take notes on this because a lot of times we extrapolate the scripture, but we don't really look in the mirror and say, "What does this mean to me?" You go, "Oh, that's a nice story. That's really wonderful." But God has built His Word to be an inspiration for you, not just a general inspiration, but also an instruction book. And you go, "That's nice. How to live life?" Yes but how to live life today in this most challenging time that the world has ever seen. Guess what? His plans are upon you to make a big change. And we're talking about some things that maybe you haven't really excavated in scripture and seeing what these might have to do with you and how you can impact these things. As I mentioned that, I guess it's time for me to bring in again, my co-host for this entire broadcast, professor Thomas Winder and, uh, talk about these things. Uh, Thomas, before I dig in, I have to do a little bit of business here. So I know you're with me, and I know you're, you're, yeah. you're, the the uh, pistola is loaded and ready to fire. So hang on just for a second. My listening friend, <laughs> one, one of the things we like to say on this show is when there's a new program, we like to bring it to your attention. There's a new program on praise and really ties in with our topic right now. The topic is Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And once you realize that the Scripture is true, as it talks about Jesus, uh, the Son of God, but also Jew and Gentile coming together, once you realize that, then you have to take a new look at the old book. And Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a teaching program uh, taught by Rabbi Schneider, and Rabbi Schneider is on... KPRZ weekdays from 1130 to noon, Monday through Friday. He brings the revelation of how the Hebrew Bible, that is the Old Testament, and the New Testament are connected, but even more than connected, they are intimate, one with another. He's going to be teaching on these things and is going to build your faith, uh, change your life, and instill a greater awareness of God inside and out. That's Discovering the Jewish Jesus, Rabbi Schneider, weekdays from 1130 a.m. to noon. And you, you know, uh, Thomas Winder, that's one thing as we study the Bible, a lot of people have kind of put off the intimacy uh, of Jesus with the Jewish, as a Jewish man, and they f- neglect the customs and they it, it, neglect the geography of the land. And one of the things that you do as an archaeological genius is that you have dug into the land and you, can, you say, it's not only theory anymore, it's real and it's practical. So I'm going to hand the baton to you, Thomas. And
3: well, well, Kaz, you know, there's a uh, there's a worldview. Yep. And then there's a biblical worldview. <laughs> and without without the Bible, you really get a lot of perspective wrong. That's right. Especially especially the Jewishness of our Bible. And believe me, Rabbi Snyder is awesome. You'll have to say hi to him when you see him. Uh. You know, we in the, in the Christian world, in the Gentile end of it, we get such a, a, a skewed perspective because we don't think Jewish. That's right. And the Bible is the Hebrew Bible. Snyder is totally correct about that. It is the Hebrew Bible from Genesis to Revelation, all <laughs> yes, the way is. through. It is a Jewish book, mostly for Jews, and us Gentiles, well, you know, we're grafted in. That's right. And we're heirs to the promises of Abraham, but not because we earned it. That's right. Not because we could buy it, not because we deserve it, only because Jesus paid for it on the cross at Calvary.
2: That's right. And many of the Gentile, those of us who are Gentiles, we've been reading Scripture with Gentile Glasses, literally, and so oh, there many of the things long. that we've read, we we haven't really comprehend. When you c- comprehend this, you're going to realize God's intimate plan for why you, my listening friend,
3: Thomas. Well, and into continue, that, and and, and one of the things that one one of the great things that this new discovery of mine has opened up is this problem between Catholics and Protestants. Mm. Now the world doesn't understand why Catholics are fighting Protestants and Protestants are fighting Catholics. I mean, go to Ireland. It's still, it's still a battle My. zone. I thought we all believed in the same God in Christianity. Well, the Catholics though, they basically decided to bring in their own doctrine and you had to give up everything jewish in order to be a christian well the council of jerusalem when peter was arguing this they wanted all the christians quote-unquote gentiles at the time to become jews in order to be saved and of course they fought that one off because you don't have to eat particular foods or be circumcised or become a jew to be saved, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. Yes. So, so there's so so we have a uh, a bent uh, perspective, if you will, on lots of the background stories of the Scripture because, of course, the Catholic Church was in charge of Christendom on planet Earth until Martin Luther split the church. Yes. And and created the Protesters. Yes. You and I are probably called protesters by the Catholics, or, or we maybe you're protest even... <laughs> yeah the... well it's it's a cry and shame because we both love Jesus and and we should be hand in hand. We should be one body that's right, one church. Okay, and one bride. Yes, yes, yes.
2: I need to jump in here because I have a lot of people that listen to these broadcasts are of Catholic derivation. And one of the things that I say, and I've said it in one of my books of late, and that is there's a difference between a person who has some embrace of certain Catholic, uh, some of these devout Catholics, I mean, I can learn so much from them. I think the biggest error, the biggest challenge is Roman. Roman Catholicism and the things yes. that came with that Roman point of view danger danger, will Robinson <laughs> well, and
3: that's why Mount Hermon becomes so important yes. in in the in the story of the Greeks and the Romans, yes, you know they they're polytheists, they have many, many gods, a God for this, a God for that, you know they got a God for everything, and they borrow. All of their stories, all of their gods are are the same spirits that came from Mount Hermon. When those bad angels landed on Mount Hermon, had sex with the humans, and they bore children called the Nephilim, those were real giants. I mean, we're talking way over 15 feet, maybe twice that size yes. before the Flood. After the Flood, they're much smaller. However, those giants before the Flood, they become the pagan gods. And we know the chief of the pagan gods, or the pagan pantheon, he we he we refer to as Baal. That's right. He's referred to all throughout the Bible as Baal. Well, where did Baal get born? On Mount Hermon, oh my. along with so many of the other giants that ruled the world uh, before the flood. That's why they were, you know, that's why God got rid of them. So we have pagan gods. Let me name just a few that are familiar to your audience.
4: Yes, because we have Baal about one, we have about one minute left, Thomas.
3: Perfect. Baal is the chief, of course, and his counterpart or his sometimes called wife is Ishtar. Then you have guys like Molech, Chamesh, Dagon, and Pan, just to mention a few. And that's why after this next break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a place where the gate to hell is, where Jesus went to on Mount Hermon where, in fact, they worshipped Pan, the goat demon, with human sacrifice whew, and a whole bunch of other very sick stuff. Yes. And my friend, here's, so the, we'll here's come the deal. will after the next break, I, I, and we'll talk about <laughs> where the core problems originated and where the church was built from.
2: All right. And one of the things we're going to do, as uh, uh, Thomas uh, Winder talks about this. You're going to realize that a lot of those uh, compromises of the faith are alive and with us today. So it's going to cause us to look in the mirror and go, "We need to change these things because we want to be pure and prepared Amen. as God's soldier, as God's right. bride for the bridegroom." We're going to talk more, about, oh my, more of these things when Thomas Winder and Kaz come right back.
1: More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on I'll tell
3: the
0: world.
1: Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor on KPraise.
2: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Come Together San Diego with a commanding capital word, underscored, bold-faced, commanding broadcast I have with me as my co-host, Professor Thomas When do You hear him giggling in the background because we kind of hit it off when he had a conversation on the phone not long ago and also a face-to-face meeting. But I'll tell you what, this man needs to be paid attention to because he's got some depth of Scripture that are going to force you to dig more deeply into the Word. And when you dig more deeply in the Word, you're going to have to look in the mirror and you say, those things that happened then, the Bible talks about in... I think in Ecclesiastes, that which was, is, and that which is, is to come because there's nothing new under the sun. And if that's the case, the dangers that happened back in Bible days are dangers that are happening today, and the deceptions that happened back in Bible days are happening today, and are they happening to you and I as people who profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior? The temptation is there. So we're going to be digging some more depth in this as we... We've spent some time in the area, uh, in kind of s- central Israel called Sodom and Gomorrah and that area right there. Now we've headed north to a place called Mount Hermon and also the Mount of Tr- uh, Transfiguration. And to take us on this journey is the archaeologist and new best friend of Kaz, Professor. Thomas Winder, handing <laughs> handing the baton to you. Uh, but Thomas, it, it, people say, oh, you know, the Bible's nice, and it was uh, uh, nice writing, but the truth of the matter is it is more pertinent to now than anything you can imagine, but it's also more pertinent to our listening friends more than they ever imagined as well. I, I believe we're going to bring this home as I hand the baton to you, Thomas Winder, professor. Well,
3: well Kaz, uh, you know, it's a spiritual battle. That we're all in, like it or not, you know, we can't judge each other depending upon, you know, the maturity of one's level, and so some people may come to Christ uh, as old timers. Some people come <laughs> when they're when they're very young. I was quite young, and uh, then again, I you know stepped off the off the boat for a while. <laughs> yes. and did my own thing as we all do as Isaiah says, we all go astray and I had to do it my own way, but of course I came back. And I and I would appeal to everybody to come back and read your word. Uh just because the Catholics and the Protestants have some problems doesn't mean that that the Bible has a problem. Yes. It's us. We're the ones with a problem. <laughs> yes. Okay, and and mostly the problem is is internal, because we we fight ourselves as much as we fight anybody else, and uh, and we're always, you know, tempted, here or there or any any place else, even though the the word says we won't be tempted past our our, our to ability to yeah. to withstand it, in uh, Corinthians chapter ten. So, I'm glad I've been able to withstand some of the temptations, but I've never called myself a saint, and I don't think any of us should because Jesus came to save our sins yes. and to wash our sins away. So we're all sinners, and we all need to know that, from the gate. We're all sinners, and the only reason we get to heaven is because our sins were washed away by the blood of Christ at Calvary which is God's plan of redemption for mankind, which literally happens in the Middle East, in the Holy Land, in the land of the Bible that we're reading oh and talking about. So so people, even if you don't want to believe the theology to start with, you should at least read the Bible for your own good. How well, about so- everybody out there? Saying, I promise you, Tom, I'm going to dust off that Bible and I'm going to start reading it. That's right, from Genesis to book of Revelation. Revelation. But read it this with with
2: uh, read it with the eyes of reality instead of saying, "Oh, it's a nice and interesting book." No, this is a book for and now, and this is a book for you.
3: That's right. These people that wrote the that wrote it down were real people that lived real lives that lived real history and they wrote it down for our for us. Yes. And and a lot of it is prophecy and that's why Christians right now, true Christians aren't that worried about the world blowing itself up because we know what the promises of God are. Yes. Which is fantastic. Yes. Which brings us <laughs> back to Mount Hermon. Yes. Okay, let's get back on track.
2: Good. You've got about 3 or 4 minutes in the segment.
3: This is perfect. Jesus goes north to Mount Hermon for the Feast of Tabernacles instead of going south to Jerusalem. Now, you'll know that that the three feasts that are mandatory for every healthy male Jew to be in Jerusalem or Passover, what we call Pentecost or Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, and Tabernacles, all Jewish men that are healthy are supposed to walk to Jerusalem to be at the Temple Mount. Oh, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus from the Sea of Galilee, after feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and his disciples complaining about where lunch is coming from the next day, he drags everybody north on the Damascus Road to Mount Hermon to a place called Panias, Our Bible calls it Caesarea Philippi, which is a little Roman city next to this spot. But this is the spring, the pit, uh, where the water begins for the Jordan River. It comes busting out of the ground at the base of Mount Hermon at the gate to hell. It is a physical, real place. It's called the gate to hell because of the spring water. Because back in the pagan days, the pagans believed that the spirits of the gods were down below in the underworld. And springs slash pits are the openings or the doorways to the underworld. So this huge spring at the base of Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon being the 33 by 33 parallel where all these bad angels landed and and took the human women and made babies, etc., and ruled the world from this location.
2: So are you saying okay. this 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 place called Mount Hermon is the place where the angels descended from heaven, and that's the place where they saw, the, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were uh, appealing, yes. and they had, that's where Mount they impregnated. Hermon is,
3: My. Mount Hermon is where they landed. My. Mount Hermon is where they were created. Mount Hermon is where they ruled the world from. Baal, chief of of the pagan gods, which of course we have the beautiful story about the the uh, barbecue competition that Elijah has <laughs> between Jezebel and Ahab and the prophets of Baal. Okay, and and that's on Mount Carmel, China, which is further okay, f- closer to the and, Mediterranean. And yes, that's close. Yeah, that's up north, close to the mid. And of course, Elijah was able to call down the fire. To, uh, to, to barbecue his fatty calf, and nobody else could. <laughs> We've got naturally, one minute left. Naturally. Okay, and Moses, watch this, Moses does it almost the same thing. He is the prophet from Egypt that overcomes the spiritual pagan, well, excuse me, the pagan fertility gods of Egypt. Moses with the golden calf, they couldn't wait until the law came down, etc., and they created their own orgy all over again because they're pagans, okay? So Moses is the one that overcomes the pagan fertility gods of Egypt, just like Elijah is the one that overcomes the pagan fertility gods of Mesopotamia. They're all about sex, they're all about Reproducing, et cetera, et cetera, and all the kinkiness and evil known on planet Earth—that's what these people do. Oh
2: my! And, and uh, we're going to so. talk more about this in the next segments. But you set it up really nicely. And my, my listening friend, here's the deal: you know, God has plans for you. And these things are not only meant to be a message for you, but when you realize how real they are, the messages are going to be commanding for you. You cannot deny this. And so I, I, you might be squirming a little bit as you're hearing some of this stuff, but you need to realize that you were born literally for such a time as this, and what you're going to be hearing mm-hmm. now from Professor Thomas Winder is going to be ammunition for you. you. You look around right now in the world, and there are a lot of people that are uh worshiping, you know sex, drugs, rock and roll. They're, they're worshiping, you know, they're taking advantage of children. You know, we're talking about RV weight and all these kind of different things. All these things are right now, they're going on right now. So we're going to find out a little bit more what the right now has to do with back then and what you can do about it when Professor Thomas Winder and Kaz come right back.
1: This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise. More Come Together San Diego. It's just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on k praise Here's Kaz Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. I trust that you're glued to this radio broadcast because
2: it's got some things that perhaps you've never heard before. At least you haven't heard them in this light before. My co-host for this entire broadcast is Professor Thomas Winder. He's a man who lives in New Mexico, but he breaks ground, so to speak, in Israel and the surrounding areas to uh, often the dismay of others on what he comes up with. And so he is with me for the entire Two hours, and we're in the second hour now, Thomas. I'm going to spend just a little bit of time setting this up, and then handing the baton to you. you, I'm, you
3: I'm still scratching the ground, <laughs> brother. I know
2: you're still scratching the ground. <laughs> you know, one of the things. Uh, let me just let me, let me just uh, give you some uh, uh, appreciation. You're you're, an, uh, you're a teacher, and you teach uh, from a PhD point of view. We teach Hebraic studies, and you also teach. Archaeology, and uh, one of the ways to find out more about you. Let me give them my listening friends a a website because we're going to dig more deeply in this. You ain't heard nothing yet, by the way. Here's here's a a website: www.holylandresearchinstitute.org. Once again, holylandresearchinstitute.org. Now, Thomas, uh, I appreciate in the last segment you talked about the Feast of Tabernacles and how that was tied to Mount Hermon with Jesus, uh, and uh, what a remarkable time. I did not know that, but I do know that God's months and celebrations are very significant, in these days and it is not surprising and in fact I don't think it's a coincidence that you and I are broadcasting on this day this is if you're listening to this in the in the archives you need to know that this was broadcast live on May 13th this is May 13th of 20 20- 23 this is a time this is a time where there's a, a thing called the counting of the Omer. It's the transition from the wheat harvest in the Bible in I mean from the, the uh, barley harvest into the wheat harvest, and they counted Omer. This is the 37th Omer time frame. At the time where it reaches the 50th Omer or sheave of barley, that is the time the 50th Omer, which is the time of the Feast of Pentecost. You know Pentecost from the from the book of Acts, chapter 2. That is when the Holy Spirit came and empowered the church, and they spoke in unknown tongues to some so they were known to others. But there was a major empowerment that happened there. The fact that we're broadcasting this uh, just short, just before the Feast of Pentecost, which the Jews would call Shavuot, is is significant, because I think God wants to set the stage for you to understand that these feasts and festivals are more than just something that you can talk about. They are things that have manifest power in your life. And you know, and Thomas, one of the things that we spend a lot of time embracing is the value of the Feast of Pentecost, because Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and empowered God's church. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we need that empowerment more than ever before, especially when you hear what uh, Thomas has to say about where we are and the dangers that are in our face. If we don't embrace the fact that the the power of Pentecost is in hand right now, then we're going to say there's no way that we can have that problem solved. But through Holy Spirit, through you, the answer will become obvious. I'm going to hand the baton to you
4: there Thomas Win
3: well Kaz, well Kaz, as a uh, professor of hebraic studies i taught the uh, appointed times of the lord and the tabernacle in the wilderness oh i love it i mean those are those are those are the two things those are the vocabulary lessons that you need in order to understand the jewishness of the scriptures because these things are mentioned throughout throughout the scripture i love it and uh and, and and I'm sure in the last segment, boy, I must have I must have opened up a bunch of ears and everybody is dying to find out about tabernacles on Mount Herman. Yes. Well I yeah. haven't heard that before. And, Come and, on. Well Peter good old Peter is always coming to our rescue, by the way. <laughs> Peter Peter, uh when they get up to the high lonely hill and and uh Moses and Elijah show up for what we call the transfiguration uh event you know Peter wants to build them tabernacles simples. that's right tabernacles as in feast well, of tabernacles he wants he <laughs> wants to build one for Jesus one for Moses and one for Elijah and there's only one time of the year that Jews oh. build tabernacles oh that's so good it's the feast of tabernacles uh, that is so, so good we know that it's the Feast of Tabernacles because of what Peter did for us. That's uh, so good. Let me let let me unpack some more. So on the way north on the Damascus Road from Capernaum, where Jesus had said four thousand people with seven loaves of bread, his disciples the next morning are complaining about where lunch is coming from. <laughs> and Jesus just rips them apart. He scolds them up one side and down the other. He says, You know, men of little faith, etc, how you can't even cast out a simple demon. And he goes on, he says, Beware of the leaven Ooh. of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So for about forty five to fifty miles, they're walking north to get to Caesarea Philippi where the gate to hell is. Now, this is a very interesting scene. They are on Mount Hermon, well, at the base of Mount Hermon, where the huge spring is, where Pan, the goat demon, is worshipped with, uh, we know, with public orgy and human sacrifice, the two things that pagan gods demand from worshippers. And Jesus goes to that place, which is literally out of bounds for all clean Jews my. because it is so, because it's so defiled. So, where does Jesus take his band of renegades? Oh, he my. takes them right straight to the gate to hell. This is where, if you're a tourist in Israel and you're on the bus, This is generally as far north as anybody gets.
2: This is way north on Israel. This is about as far as you can go in Israel. Northward. This is so true.
3: Almost, It's to the base of the Golan Heights and Mount Hermon. So there, uh, Jesus asked the question that is the most important question in the entire Bible that all of us have to answer for ourselves. He says... Who do people say that I am? Mm. And they explain, well, maybe, maybe Jeremiah, maybe Elijah, maybe, you know, one of the prophets. And then he says, but who do you yes. say that I am? And Peter once again comes to our rescue. He says, <laughs> well, you are the Messiah, yes. the son of the living God. And Jesus immediately gives him a promotion. He calls him uh, son of Jonah, Bar Jonah, calls him Simon Bar Jonah. Says, you know, the, the you didn't know this. The Spirit of God must have told you that. And and then he says, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates to hell will not prevail against it. And they're sitting or standing. Right next to, in front of, the gate to hell. That's right. That's where Matthew Pam 16. The demon it, wow. Is worship. This is Matthew 16. And, and I ask everybody to open your Bibles and read this tonight, because we get this wrong. The Catholics, to this day, say that Peter is the rock. Sure. And that the Church is built on Peter. Mm-hmm. Others, you know, there's, what, a hundred different translations. Uh, But when Jesus says, this is Petros, and upon this rock I will build my church, he is deflating Peter's ego because Peter just got a promotion to the son of Jonah. So he's strutting around like a rooster, uh, you know, in in a hen house. And, (laughs) And Jesus says, Petros this is Petros which means pebble. Yes. This is this is a pebble. He doesn't even call him his real name and then he says upon this rock I will build my church. It is the rock I, Jesus. Said, and yes. Well now the see the pro, the Protestants come along and say no Peter is not the rock that the church is built of. It must be Peter's confession. Which, of course, is correct. He did. We've got less than a
2: minute here, my friend.
3: Okay, he got the question right. But when Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church, he's not talking about Peter and he's not talking about his confession. He's literally talking about the rock that they're standing on oh my. that represents the sinners of the world. Because you and I, who are the church, the body of Christ that has the keys to the kingdom, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We are all sinners. We're redeemed sinners, okay? That is the one thing that is the same amongst everyone on planet earth and everyone in the church is a sinner, redeemed sinner, yes, but we were cut from the very Stone of the sinners on planet Earth. Jesus goes to the gate to hell to basically tell the devil that he's going to take his people away and build a church out of them to use them to combat yes. and overcome the very devil himself.
2: Yes, we're going to talk, wow, yeah, wow, wow, wow. And we're going to talk, yeah, how, how many of you have actually heard this before? I, I, I have nuances of this, but this is remarkable because this helps answer a bunch of questions that I had, and God has given me a few insights that I'm going to share as well in the next segments. Buckle up, because this is really pertinent to us today. You know, the gates of hell, if you look in the news and what's going on in the world right now, you go, maybe the gates of hell, I'm experiencing the the uh, influences of the, ga- the gates of hell now. Very likely you are in many ways, but God has says that, he, that he's going to build his church. And if you're a believer in well,
3: him, that's well, you. In, in our next segment, we are going to dig right into <laughs> all of this that's happening to us right now today.
2: Oh, my friends. I guess it's time for me to say,
1: we'll be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And also, Professor Thomas Winder,
2: my co-host for this entire broadcast from 5 to 7 p.m., Come Together San Diego. You're also going to want to check this out in the archives and probably listen to it about a dozen times as you're taking copious notes, because these are some things you need to study. And uh, Thomas Winder, I can't tell you what an honor it is to have you on the air with me. We've got about half an hour, two segments left. Can I, can I, I pray, was praying about this show and God gave me a couple things. And you, as a teaching professor in the area of archaeology and also Hebraic studies, I want to share this and have you give some insights on this. And then I'm going to give you the springboard to actually uh, go where you want to and close this entire broadcast. But I can just tell you there, uh, Professor Winder, you've done stirred me up. Well, you know, know. We,
3: we've only scratched the surface. I,
2: I, I know. I, well, literally, from <laughs> an archaeological point of view. You know, my listening friend, yeah. I was praying about this, and uh, Professor Winder, your insights as I shared, after I share this. But I, I was thinking about, you know, people would go, oh, yeah, gates of hell, one reference in the whole Scripture. Well... Uh, uh, Professor Winder gave you the book of Jude, and also I want to give you a couple other areas here. But I then I'm going to hand the baton to uh, Professor Winder to uh, tie this all together in these last two segments. You know, the Scripture talks about in uh, Luke chapter eight, where the, um, the the Bible talks about the the man who had the legion of evil spirits, the legion of evil spirits in Luke chapter eight, and and. He cast the demons that were called legion out of this man, and the demons were concerned because they said, why are you, you know, tormenting me because of this time? Uh, don't, don't cast, they, they say, and, and, and they besought him that he would not uh, command them to go out into the deep. Now that, and, and, and you know the story that they were, they were cast into the swine and they went off Pig. the cliff. But, but this word, in, if you look at it, where they said, don't, it's not our time. Don't beseech us to go out into the deep. That word "deep," the Greek word there, is the bottomless pit or the abyss. So, in other words, these evil demons knew that Jesus had the power to cast them back into the abyss, and back that ab- of
3: hell, exactly.
2: Yeah, and that abyss, that abyss are the gates of hell that we're talking about right here at Mount Hermon. I mean, that's an amazing thing. And so they realized he had this power. Now, let me take you to another scripture here because this will help you uh, understand. And then I'm going to ha- pass the baton to the a- actual professor. I'm just a professor wannabe. In Eph- Ephesians chapter 4, 8 through 10, let me read some of the Scripture, because, you know, this is a-, a famous Scripture, especially when it talks about the power of God's Holy Spirit and the fivefold ministry of we believers. But let me start at verse 4 and read for a while. In verse 4, the Bible talks about God wants us to have, is, be one body, and then the Scripture talks about... Um, that that uh that everybody has been given the measure of faith, but now let me go to to verse eight eight uh, of uh, of ephesians four and it says, Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high and led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men, in other words, Jesus died was buried, and then he ascended up on high. but then in verse nine it says uh that he Uh, he not only ascended, but he was also the one who descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And And he that descended is the same that shall also ascend up above the heavens that he might fill all things. Now listen to this, because this is dealing with you specifically, and as a result of that interaction, not only in his descension, but his ascension, Tied to the gates of hell and in the heavenlies, the Bible says, "...and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God." unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Get this, my friends. You know, from you, this is a scripture that believers that have studied scripture know. This is a five-fold ministry. This is the empowerment that God wants to give his church. But it was this was a power empowerment that was tied to his dissension into heaven and leading captivity captive. And he says, this same thing that I have and am empowered by, I'm giving it to you as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the edification of the body of Christ and for the work of the ministry. That's you who is sitting in your chair right now listening to this broadcast. The empowerment that he had came from him uh, right in that area of the uh, descending to the bottomless pit and leading captivity yeah. captive. You and I, my listening friend, can you get this? We are empowered to do the same. And you go, that's nice. But it's more than nice. It's required in these last days.
3: <gasps> <sighs> oh, you're bringing up you're bringing up the big problem. Oh, I'm bringing up the big problem, but I'm you, you, handing you, it you off to the professor. Up <laughs> the issue: if you go to the Christian bookstore right now, you will see books upon books upon books. The Unseen Realm by Ooh. Michael Heiser. Yes. Uh, giants, gods, and dragons by uh, Derek Gilbert and his wife Sharon. You will see Return of the Gods by Jonathan Cahn. All of these incredible books (laughs) all talk about the gods of the past, in other words, the pagan gods that came from Mount Hermon. I mean, literally the timing is everything about this because they're bringing up the very reasons why Jesus went to Mount Hermon. Oh,
2: my, my. We've got three I mean, minutes here, why? so pay this off, because we're going to—my my friend, the last segment is going to be whiz-bang. You don't want to go away. Yeah, so finish it off know, here. So, We've so, got about a minute and a half, so, brother. So
3: let, let me unpack this real fast. On Mount Hermon, okay, Jesus goes to the gate to hell. Well, that's odd, and it's just to start with. But, of course, Jesus is the God of the universe. He doesn't care. He's going to go to the devil's kitchen to give the devil notice. Okay? He's going to go to Mount Hermon to reverse the curse and to break the oath that these bad angels took in the first place. So watch this. After the sixth day, this is uh, Matthew 17. After the sixth day, uh, Jesus grabs Peter, James, and John and, says, follow me up to this high mountain. They take a walk. That trail is still there to this day. I can take you to the very trail that Peter, James, and John, and Jesus took to this high, lonely mountain. You take the trail, it leads you right straight to the high, lonely mountain. Where do you think it leads? Would you believe that I knew (laughs) all the way back in 1993 what mountaintop that this transfiguration took place on. Oh my! And published it, but I didn't know why. This last summer, I man, I just crawled and hiked and climbed all over those mountains. We'll get to that in the, in, in the next segment. But I found literally the throne of Baal on top of that hill, where Jesus went to literally show. Everybody who he was. And when I say that, of course, we think that only Peter, James, and John saw this cloud of light. But I say everybody in the region saw it because (laughs) the next morning in Luke chapter 9, Luke says the next morning when they came down off the hill, there was a huge crowd waiting for them. Oh, my. So this light show, this light show not only took place. In, in an area that everybody can see from Caesarea Philippi, okay, but it happens on the very throne of Baal, uh. the chief pagan god of all, on his spot. Oh my! So there, how's that?
2: So there, Jesus, take that. <laughs> probably be saying, "Take that, <laughs> my listening friend." We're gonna How? we're gonna close this out in the last segment. I wish we had a few more hours. We may come back and ex- excavate this some more. But my listening friend, I hope you're realizing God's plan for you and through you as you embrace His Word and understand about the gates of hell. They shall not prevail against my church. We're gonna talk more about that and close this thing down when we come right back.
1: More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on KPraise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor on KPraise.
2: Welcome back, my friends. And you know it's time to draw close to the show. We've got one segment left, and I don't want to steal any. Professor Thomas Winder's time to uh, excavate this. I'm going to give you time cues as we get closer to the, 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 the top of this hour because we've got to get off the air when the show ends. But we, I'm going I'm to hand the baton to you. But before we do, my listening friend, write this down. HolylandResearchInstitute.org. HolylandResearchInstitute.org. We are talking with Professor Thomas Winder. He is a remarkable Guy, he also is on staff with the Trinity Southwest uh, in Albuquerque. And uh, so, once again, Holy Land Research We've got about uh, eight to ten minutes. I'm going to hand the baton to you. Uh, you're a broadcaster. Okay. You can do this. Well, I, just, I, I well,
3: want to here, well, s- inspire our listeners. <laughs> go. Well, uh, I'll uh, take the baton and run with it. Yes, Believe you me. will. Uh, okay. So let's unpack the transfiguration a little bit more. Jesus goes up to what is Baal's throne, which is a high hill right up, abo- but literally right above Caesarea Philippi. Like I said, the trail is still there to this day. Anybody can write up there and find where the transfiguration took place. But what's he doing? He's literally answering his own question. Remember the, the cloud of light, okay, surrounds them. And Moses and Elijah are talking Ooh. to Jesus. <laughs> and in Luke chapter 9, you'll find out what they were talking about. They're literally talking about Jesus having to die in Jerusalem. The very subject, listen, the very subject that these disciples hate the most is when Jesus tells them that he has to go to Jerusalem to die. Yes, They hate that. Yeah, They don't like that yeah. message. They hate it so much that even Peter rebukes Jesus at the gate to hell when Jesus tells them that's going to happen. And he says to, to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Oh, my. For your mind is not on the will of God, but your own will. Okay? And, of course, Peter shuts up pretty fast, (laughs) but they don't like the fact that Jesus keeps telling them that he's going to die. They don't like that at all. Because, remember, they're Jews, and they want him to take over and put them in charge. They're constantly arguing with with each other, not about spiritual matters. Who's going to sit in your right hand and your left
2: hand? Come on, yes. That's right.
3: (laughs) These disciples are not with it when it comes to spirituality and what's going on spiritually. So the light comes on. Jesus turns into light, and a voice out of the cloud says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. My. That's the very answer to the question, who do you say that I am? And God tells them, this is my beloved son. So there should never be any question at all from here on. And in fact, if you read Luke chapter 10, you'll find out that the people that Jesus sent out to prepare the way for him came back, and guess what? they could finally cast out demons. Oh the very issue that you brought up in the last segment about the uh, the guy that was full of the legions yes. of demons, one of the things that's happening in those days is that demons are loose. They're all over the place. People are possessed. They need to be they need to be cleaned out. They they need to have these demons That's right, that's right. Does this sound like today's news, by the way, my friends? (laughs) Yeah, the disciples are not listening. So God says, listen to him. Listen to him. And that's what we should all be doing, of course, is we should be listening to Jesus. Now, here's one for you to chew on. We've got a couple minutes. Yes. It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles when Jesus takes his disciples up to the mountain for the great light show. By the way, it's exactly the same place where Paul is blinded by the light and hears the same voice in Acts chapter 9. But at this moment, when Jesus is having his own light show on Mount Hermon at what is today Nimrod's Fortress, in Jerusalem, at the exact same time, they're having the last hurrah, which is always the great light show. They're commemorating the pillar of fire that they used to have in the wilderness Yes, during the 40 years of the wanderings in the wilderness. So they put a cord of wood on the fire. They make as much light as they possibly can. This happens to be. John chapter 8, by the way, John chapter 7 and 8 are all about what Jesus is doing during the Feast of Tabernacles a year before this time that we're talking about. And, of course, he says before Abraham was, I I am, am, and, of course, they want to kill him. But he comes in and says, I am the light of the world during the light festival. Oh, my. He comes in and says, I am the water. I am the living water during the water. First of all, I mean, he is the tabernacle Come on, when it gets right down to it. He is the architecture of God's plan of redemption for mankind. The plan is that God eventually is going to come to earth to shed his own blood for the final, ultimate sacrifice. And believe me, when Jesus went to Mount Hermon, he put the devil on notice and he took the sinners of planet earth and created a church his own body so that while he's not here you and i are here we are the church and and god forbid that we upset anybody that's where the church is gone now all these old gods are back all these pagan gods are back we got drag queens teaching our kids in elementary school and kindergarten for crying out loud. These are the pagan gods have returned. And we need the church to be the body of Christ. 1 John 3.8 says that Jesus came, he was manifested here to fight the works of the devil. That's what the church was made for. The church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, We are here. We have a purpose. We have a mandate. And it is to come against the powers of darkness. And yet, in the last generation or two, we have a church now that's basically, you know, taking a sabbatical on all of this demon stuff. They don't want to cast out demons anymore. They don't even want to talk about evil anymore. My goodness, you got pastors now that won't upset anybody. They don't want anybody to be offended yes, yes. for any reason whatsoever. And yet we are told to fight the evil. Yes. How are you gonna do that if you keep your mouth shut? That's right. We've got about a minute and a half, brother. Well, I'm preaching now. Now <laughs> you're getting now you're getting the word. Yes, yes, yes. And so Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light unto salvation, and we are the children of light. Everywhere we go, if you are full of the Holy Spirit, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you've repented of the sinful, carnal ways of, of, of who we are as humans, then you are given the Holy Spirit, and you're given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be be bound bound in in heaven, heaven. and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, the church has total authority over these things and has basically gone to sleep in the last generation because we're fighting each other instead of fighting the good fight.
2: That's right. My listening friend, I, I hope Thomas... Winder's words are insightful to you. I'm going to leave you with a nugget. You're going to, you might twist and turn a little bit when you hear this, but Thomas Winder and I, I, we've talked about this, but you know, one of the things that's the biggest danger is for us to mix godliness with godlessness. And the question for you is, what what are we substituting in our own uh, daily life in our own year celebration? Well, it's
3: idolatry nowadays. Now yep. we we're, we're back to the lust of the flesh. Well, let me
2: let me let me extrapolate a little bit more on this. What are we substituting for the birth of Christ? You do the math on that, and what what's what is this "quote unquote" Christmas time? What does the birth of Christ uh, include that that it may, may be a sacrifice <laughs> you that mean is that contrary to this? All, now, let me also ask: well, during 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 our resu- we just experienced Resurrection Sunday. So, what are you doing even in a church environment that is a violation of the, a substitute for godliness it, with godlessness? So, we're gonna have to really weigh and pray these things, my listening friend. I know it's the, the end of the show, and we got to go away, but I wanted to leave you with that nugget. You need to look in the mirror, look in Scripture, let Holy Spirit convict and convince you because you are going to be empowered to do things the world needs to see, but it needs to happen through a clean vessel.
3: So Thomas... Yeah, and at this time of age right now, yep, we need the church to be alive. We need the church to wake up.
4: Yes, yes. So uh, Thomas
2: Winter, thank you so work. much. For, for, for joining us. I know people are going to say, we need to have more of him. We're going to arrange that. So my listening friend, thank Will you for having Professor uh, Thomas Winder join us once again, Holy Land Research Institute.org. Come Together San Diego. My heart cry is for us to come together, San Diego and beyond. God bless you guys until next week.
1: Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all Come Together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K Praise